0: So on today, we're going to talk from the title of A Heart for Fasting. So we did a mindset for fasting. Now we're going to do a heart for fasting. And this entire passage of scripture, uh, a lesson rather, is going to come from Isaiah chapter 58 verses 1 through 12. Put my timer on. And so... um, In talking about a heart for fasting, it is important that anything you do, you do it the right way. When Jesus told his disciples to fast, to pray and to give, he started off by telling them, don't do it as the hypocrites don't do it as the hypocrites so it's ways that you can do stuff spiritual activities and and, and it could it could be non void or null because you did it with the wrong spirit or you did it with the wrong heart and so in this passage of scripture that we're about to teach from this is Isaiah prophesying talking to the children of Israel about their heart towards God because they God has this relationship with them but It's not reciprocated. And so in Isaiah 58, chapter one, Isaiah says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people, Israel, of their sins. Now, he's telling them, tell my people that I see their heart towards me. That's all sin is. Sin is basically your heart towards him. Sin is against him. And so a sinful life is basically letting you know this is my heart towards you. When we do marital uh, marital, marital sessions, I always tell the husband and I tell the wife, when you go before God, go before God as a child of God. Because if there's problems at the husband level or at the wife level, watch this. It's not at the husband level. It's not at the wife level. It's at the daughter level and at the son level. That's the level the issue is at. It's always at your relationship with him. The wife, if the wife has issues with the husband or she's disrespectful to the husband, she's disrespectful to God. If the husband disrespects the wife, it's because he disrespects God. So it's never at the the relationship between two beings. It's always at the relationship between you and God. And so when you go before God, what you always want to do is you want to, uh, when I go before God, I ask him to teach me how to be his son because the better a son I am to him, the better husband I am to my wife, the better parent I am to my children, the better friend I am to my friends. Every relationship in which you're coming up short, it's at, the, it's at the child level. It's at the relationship with you and God. So in this situation, God is letting them know, tell my people. He, he said, they, they are my people. Tell them about their sin. So he's letting them know that they have a heart issue towards me. And the strength of any relationship is how you play your role. It's not how the other person play, does in their role. It's how you do in your role. So as I just said, as a husband, if my wife decides she does not want to be a wife, what happens? I still have to be a husband. I can't say, OK, you're not being a wife. So I, I'm no longer going to be your husband. Can't do that because I, I entered into the covenant. So it's two sides to the covenant. It's two people. And so God made a covenant with Israel. So God has his part of the covenant and they have their part. The sin shows what? That they're not fulfilling their part. And so God is God being just, but Israel's actions towards him were not. And so in verse 2, he's still talking about Israel. He says, Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of God. They asked me to take action on their behalf pretending that they want to be near me. He's getting at the head, ain't he? So, he said, yet they act so pious. Pious means that they're acting like they're devoted. They're acting like they're devoted. Now, To act means to perform a fictional role. It means to behave in a way as to appear to be something, but you're really not that. So they're supposed to be his people called by his name, but they're not acting like that. Instead, they're acting contrary to that. So he says they come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. Seem means to give an impression or sensation that they have a particular quality. So he's saying that, look, they come to church, they come before my presence, they come into prayer, and they seem as if what? They want to learn about me. So what is he looking at here? The heart. He's saying they act like they're devout. So what he's saying, let them know, I see that you're not. He's saying that they act like they want to learn about me, but they really don't. Then he says they act act like a righteous nation. That would never abandon the laws of God. So they act like they're living right. And that they would never disobey God. (laughs) Then he says they ask me to take action on their behalf. So they pray to me and they expect me to do a thing. They expect me to answer their prayers. But he says they're pretending to want to be near me. So he's saying what? They only want to come near me to get what's from me. That's why I told you that it is important that you desire God's heart, not his hand. No one wants someone that just wants my stuff, but you don't want the person happens in Christianity all the time they pretend meaning they speak and act as if something is so so they're speaking and they're acting as if they really want to be near me they're acting like they really want to learn about me like they will never abandon my laws so it's a heart issue they act righteous. They act like they would never abandon him. And so what happens is or what's happening here is they're taking this pretentious behavior that they have in a relationship with him and they're taking it into spiritual activities. So they've taken the, this 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 acting, this seeming to be this pretending and it's in a relationship. But now they're bringing it to prayer. They're bringing it to the temple. And particularly in this passage of scripture, verse three, they bring it into fasting. And so that's what we're talking about today, right? A heart to fast. So he's assessing the relationship with them and he's letting them know you guys are in sin, but this is why you're in sin. And you you've took it from the relationship to fasting, And it's showing up in there. And so the reason why we're doing this whole thing on a heart to fast, because you have to know how to do stuff the right way. Because you can fast and it just be you not eating. And then you'll be wondering why nothing's taking place. There's no manifestation. So verse three, he says, now this is Israel talking to him. He says, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? So we fasted, (laughs) we did not eat anything. Why aren't you impressed? He says, we have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. His answer, I will tell you why I respond. It is because you are fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. So let's unpack this. They said, "Why have you fasted? Be- Why we have fasted before you? Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice." So now they have a deceived mindset that God is looking at their physical works, but He doesn't see the spiritual heart. They're deceived. They think that the fasting is what the not eating is what God was really after. He says, I tell you why. I respond. It's because your fasting is to please yourself. Now, the, the fasting that pleases you, this type of fast is not worthy of divine acknowledgement. Right now we're growing in stuff. OK, so I, like I told you, we're learning how to do this. He's never expecting us to start something and then all of a sudden you're just a superhero at it. No. You're mature in it, no. But we do have to get to a point where our fasting is not to please ourselves. So we can't diagram our fasting to please our lifestyle. I ain't gonna get no amen on that. I already know. Verse (laughs) 4 What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? So he's saying you are carnal while you're fasting. Fasting is supposed to be to crucify the flesh, not to embellish it. So he said on your fast, you're still carnal. You're still fighting and quarreling, but you're not eating. You're fasting, but your heart is not in the right place. Then he says this kind of fast will never get you anywhere with me. This ain't going to be the popular message, is it? This fast right here, kind of fast, would never get you anywhere with me. So what is he saying here? (laughs) This type of fast brings no progress in the spiritual realm. No progress. This type of fast is just a no-calorie diet. It's starvation without causation. This fast is for you, not for me. Therefore, the fast becomes what? Unfruitful. Because next week, what we're going to talk about is the expected manifestation after a fast, because that's when that's when the manifestation comes, it doesn't come during the fast. It comes after the fast. And I'm thinking now, no biblical scripture to back this up. So don't quote me. I think God did that because if you got the manifestation during the fast, you stop fasting. (laughs) so verse five you humble yourselves by going through the motion of penance now this is what penance is it is self punishment inflicted as an outward expression of repentance for something that you have done wrong so he says you're humbling yourself but the only expression is Or the expression that is being shown is for your outward man. You want people to see that you're fasting. That's why Jesus told them, He said, Don't be like the hypocrites, for they look disheveled when they fast. They walk around moping. They gotta let everybody know what's wrong with you, bro? I'm fasting. (laughs) Fasting ain't ate no meal in about 16 hours. (laughs) And what did Jesus say? you have your reward you got that's your manifestation you wanted everybody to know what you was doing you wanted the respect of them your heart was towards pleasing man so that becomes your reward so he tells them here you humble yourselves but you do it by going through the motion of penance he says bowing your head like reeds bending in the wind so what you're doing you're in public on your knees bowing to let everybody know what you ain't eating You dress in burlap and cover yourself in ashes. Another outward expression of repentance. He's not, inter- he's not interested in your outward expression of repentance. He's interested in your heart towards the situation. The stuff that you do for God, the stuff that you do for the Father, man would never know. Because man can't see your heart. The only way you would know or man would ever see what you do is because the reward that comes after it. Last year we did a 21 day fast, and after it we got this building. As soon as we came out the fast, we got this building. And I can't tell you what, if I told you what we got it for, it was a steal. But the manifestation comes after soon as we came off the fast last year, somebody from Louisiana called me and said, God told me to tell you, go get the building, start the, start the church and don't worry. The people will come. Somebody called me from out of town. So the manifestation comes afterwards. But so you don't want to do th- these things to For in the sight of man to please man, to show man how deep you are, because you will you will look absolutely stupid in heaven. Where are we at? Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think. This will please the Lord. A heart for fasting, the fasting that we are to do is to please him. We went through the scripture last time where it says that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everything you do should be about doing what? Pleasing who? God, not man. Verse 6. Oh, here you go. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Is this not the fast which I choose? So now He's going to let us know the fast that that he's looking for. Is this not the fast that I choose? So he has an idea and a desire for fasting. To loosen the bonds of wickedness. To undo the bands of yoke. And to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. So, the fasting that he's looking for is a spiritual assault on the kingdom of darkness aimed to destroy spiritual ties. First, in yourself. Secondly, in your household. Thirdly, in your community or your neighborhood. Then your community. Then your city. Then your states. You can't take a country until you put your own flesh in check. You can't run your household until you put your flesh in check. That's why the Bible says that all things will start first at the house of God, then out there. Then we can go get them. But if we can't put our own flesh in check, it's going to be impossible. And you come up against a demon and you in the flesh, he's going to laugh at you. Okay, that's not... So, give me the next slide. This is the fast that he's looking for to loosen the bonds of wickedness. Meaning, he wants to loosen every spiritual tie or every mental or emotional bondage on your life. So, when we fast, we are fasting to do things behind the spirit realm. We are fasting to to provoke or to break spiritual ties. The next one is to undo the bands of yoke. So we're breaking spiritual cords. We're breaking things that are attached to our mind. We're breaking things that are attached to our family. We're breaking things that are attached to our community. This is why we're fasting. That's why I told you, when you fast, the most important thing is not you not eating, it's having a purpose behind your fast. What is going on in your mind? What is going on in your heart? What is going on with your children? What is going on with your business? What is going on with your ministry? What is going on in your destiny? To yoke means simply this. that you are handcuffed to something other than God in a particular area. It could be your thinking. That's why we talked about pulling down and casting down, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, that what, exalt itself above the knowledge of God. This is the purpose of the fast. You go on a fast to loosen the bonds of wickedness. And it's invisible. So you can't see it. I sent Ola this book that I recommend everybody read this book several times. Okay. It's called Pigs in a Parlor. Pigs in a Parlor. Parlor. P-A-R-L-O-R. And I read eight chapters of it. After eight chapters, I stopped and just started praying over myself. (laughs) Because as a believer, you can never be possessed with a demon as a believer because your spirit has already been replaced by Christ. So no demon can overpower Christ and pull him out of you, but it can attach to your soul. So demons or spirits enter into believers through thought. Through your heart he don't want you to forgive why because that's his that's the bond that's the bond that you have he don't want you to love someone he wants you to be in hatred people who are who, who are racist that's a bondage that's a satanic bondage on their life it can't be broken by holding up signs it can't be broken by picketing it. You have to go into fasting to remove the mindset. So the next one is to let go to free, to let go free the oppressed. And to break every yoke. So the whole purpose of fasting on the spiritual side is what? To break every spiritual tie that is not from God. And they are there. But the thing you have to do is you have to get in the word. If you don't get in the word, you won't see what's wrong with you. If you don't read these types of books that, that let you know what's going on in the spirit realm, you would never know what is going on. Because, you're, because like I told you, this, this, this woman in which we had to cast these demons out, this came from her family line. She didn't ask for it, it wasn't that she did. Her grandmama, Then her mama, pass it on to her. And so it can be generational. And so our spiritual assault is on. Give me me the next slide. Next. Our fleshly appetite. Say Amen. The worldly grip the grip that the world has on you that you can't let go of them to to spend time with God or you can't let go of the way that they think to think like align yourself with the mind of Christ. Environmental yokes, things that are controlling your atmosphere. I guarantee everybody in here Sit at their house by themselves and have arguments with people who not there. You never win. <laughs> Everybody does that. Am I not lying? You just sit there having this whole conversation with this person, and you even responding for them. You know what they're gonna say next. That's spiritual. I have them all the time. I'm like, Hold on, no. Nope, 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 nope. Don't think so. Stop praying in tongues. Do something else. But it happens. You're not alone. Look, I can't sing. I did Michael Jack on that one. The orphan spirit. And we're gonna do a whole series on that. Because I told you everybody in here has the orphan spirit. Everybody has the orphan spirit. And the reason why I know is because you didn't grow up in heaven with Jesus. (laughs) So you don't know the father well enough to not have the orphan spirit. Strongholds and family curses. So when you fast, it's a spiritual assault on these things. You're intentionally going before the Lord. You're intentionally... Turn it down your plate to do what? Break bondages. Loosen chains. Verse 7. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and to hide yourself from your own flesh? So now the first side was the spiritual side. The second side is the physical side. This just deals with servitude. Give me the next slide. So he says, divide your bread with the hungry. Now, the thing about this or the powerful, the power in this is that you are doing these things while you're not eating. So you divide bread with the hungry. You bring the poor into your house. You see the naked and you cover them. And you do not hide your flesh from your relatives. Meaning just because you fast and don't be trying to avoid helping people. So now. It's as if God is saying, when you when you go on your fast, I want to take what you I want you to take what you would usually spend on yourself. Next slide. I want you to be generous. Generosity. I want you to take the money that you would generally spend on food in your time of fasting. And I want you to feed somebody else with it. (laughs) During your fast. I want you to meet the needs of others with your food, with your home, with your money, and with your time. So during a fast, that's a great time to go feed the homeless. And I'm not talking about this thing where We all do it. Ain't no wrong with it. Okay. This thing where we just go find the stuff in our closet because it talks about covering people. Okay. Covering the naked. You see somebody who does not have, you supply that. But what if we did it in this manner? What if we just got up a lot of money and we just went and bought new clothes? New clothes. Not the stuff you don't want. Now, ain't nothing wrong with that, okay, because it's still given. But you can always take stuff to another level with God. This is a time to deal with your personal issues. That's why I said don't hide yourself from your flesh. And don't hide yourself from your, don't, do not hide from relatives who need you. Now, I ain't say go look for them. He said "To need you. I'm just telling you. People will use the scriptures in the wrong way and have you doing all type of crazy stuff. When you fast, you're supposed to go find people to help. No, but you do want to have a mindset going into fasting. But it's, going to, it's not just a mindset, it's a heart issue. Because it's incredibly difficult for you to be fasting and worry about some, what somebody else is going to eat. But God said, this is how I know. This is the type of fast I choose. Now this ain't me talking this is what the scripture said he said this is the fast i choose which means this this is the only fast i'm looking at any other fast i ain't paying attention to it all right said keep moving keep it moving got you so servitude is a physical assault on darkness but also It is highly acknowledgeable because you are doing these things while suppressing your appetite. This is why the next five scriptures speak to spiritual reward and recompense. You mean the next scripture? I mean the next. No, no, you're right. So the kingdom agenda of intercession and servitude is even when you are fasting, he wants His will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. So He don't want you just because you want to fast, you take a break from doing His will, because you know when we fast and we don't want to do nothing. You don't even want to move. You're like, what's wrong? I'm, I'm, I might, I might get too tired and I have to eat. So now I'm gonna run back through this before I go into my next scripture. So in verse six, it says, is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of yoke and to let the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to divide bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and to hide yourself from your own and and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Verse eight. Then, now, then is always the equivalent to an equal sign. It's always the equivalent to an equal sign. Because he said, you know, because you have did this, this is the results. So because you have done a spiritual assault and you have done a physical assault, he said, this is what's going to happen. Then your light will break out like the dawn. So your spiritual life is going to come alive. People are going to notice. Because Jesus told them, he said, when you fast, do it in secret. He said, whatever you do in secret, the father will see it and he will reward you. How does he reward you? By giving you more of his glory. By opening doors that usually would not open. That's why he says, then your light will break out like the dawn. You can't ignore the dawn. Why? Because it just it was just night. (laughs) You can't ignore the dawn. It was just pitch black. And then all of a sudden the whole planet is illuminated. That's you when you fast the right way and your recovery will speedily spring forth. So he said, I'm going to revive you. The things that you may have lost, they're going to fly back to you. They're going to hurry up and come to you. Your destiny is going to run to you. And your righteousness will go before you. So the things that I have told you to do that you have cooperated with, they're going to move before you. And this is what we're talking about when we're talking about doors opening. Because you did the right thing, everything that you're doing in this fast is going to go before you. You're going to walk into situations that usually will seem difficult and they're going to be easier to walk into. But it only happens when you do these things the correct way. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. So he said, I got you. He said, what's going on before you, I got covered and what's going on behind you. I got your front and I have your back. But this is only when you fast the right way. Verse nine. It's a good one. Then, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. Why? Because now you have heaven's attention. Now you have heaven's attention. Because sometimes we do pray and we think it's bouncing off the ceiling. No, it's not that it's bouncing off the ceiling because I told you God is a father and he sees you as a child. So when you're in the flesh, he sees that and he knows if I bless you while you act like that, you would think it's okay. So I have to pull you out your flesh. Just to respond to you. To let you know that if you want my ear, if you want my hand, it's going to be because you did this the right way. That's why the Bible says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And you always hear that scripture, right? But they never finish it. Who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. So there is condemnation if you are in the flesh. Your behavior condemns you. Verse... Ten. No, verse nine. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If. So what does does if mean? It's up to you. It's your move. You make the next decision. You make the decision. If you do this. If you remove the yoke from your midst. Now, this is a part of his whole fast is removing yokes, loosening bonds, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness. Verse 10. And if there go again, you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then. This making sense. Then. Your light will rise in darkness. Whoa. Darkness represents spiritual ignorance. Light represents divine truth. You can interpret that several different ways. So in the midst of spiritually dark people, he will will allow you to speak life. In the midst of, of spiritually dark, a spiritually dark family, he'll bless you. Then your light will rise in the dark and your gloom will become like the midday. Mm. Verse 11, and the Lord will continually guide you. Come on, don't you want, ain't this what you want? This what you've been praying about. And the Lord will continually guide you. He won't just guide you, he'll continually guide you. Why? Because now you have heaven's attention. What are you telling heaven? I want to be spiritual. And to satisfy and satisfy your desire in scorched places. So he said, I'll prosper you in places that usually no one can make money. I remember. In a recession, the state said they didn't have any money. My wife got 10 raises. The kingdom shows up in a recession (laughs) where people normally could not get life. You bring life there where people normally could not start a business there. You start a business there. That's how God works. Peter pulls a boat out on the water for Jesus to teach after Jesus gets done teaching. He says, go out there and cast in the deep. Peter said, but Lord, we've already toiled there all night. We've been trying to catch fish where you sent us to all night. But nevertheless, since you said it, we'll cast our nets. Now they've been doing this all night and it didn't work. All of a sudden, Jesus tell them to do it. The Bible says that the net, they pulled in so many fish that the net was breaking that they had to call their partners. That's overflow. They had to call other boats. And, all, and, the, and the Bible says that all the boats were full to the point where they're about to sink. You can do something in an area, but it's different when God tell you. <laughs> it's different when he tell you to do it. That's why the type of person I am, I'm not a busybody. I don't just stay busy. I'm against staying busy. Just not me. I don't like to stay busy until I get a vision. Once I get the vision, I'll go. But I'm not the type, my wife, she just loved being, she loved working, I don't know. What about her? She just loves, she gotta stay busy. At the end of her day, if she haven't done nothing, she feels miserable. Me, nope, I don't feel that way. Because I'm, at, I'm just at a place, and it's just in her DNA. That's just how she is. Her and AD, they just got to be just, what are you doing? Just got to be doing something. But there's some people are built like that. It's people who just like to stay busy. They just like their hands to be busy doing things. Not me. I need a vision. Or I feel like I'm wasting my time. I want to just be doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. You're just tired from doing stuff. No. and give strength to your bones so he's going to what progress you he's going to grow you up he's going to give strength to your bones and you will be like a water garden growth and like a spring of water whose water does not fail you're going to flourish so he's telling you if you fast the right way All these things are going to come to you. You can. What what are we doing here? We're just opening up the spirit realm. You just opening the windows of heaven. But you have to do it the right way. Your heart has to be right towards fasting. So the effects of fasting. Now, this will happen with an individual. This could happen with a household. I'm telling you how to go get what you say you want. It can happen with a body of believers. We set our mind on what we want. Hart Ramsey talks about this all the time, how they seen property and as a church, they will go walk and march around the property and just just claim it and fast for it so we can go and see, you know what, this is the property we want. We go stand on the property, declare the property, fast and watch God. You can do that for your house, the house you want. God created ways for you to pull things out the spirit realm. Because if the Bible says that faith without faith, by faith, we understand that the world was framed by what? The word of God. So everything that you see. So you drive by a house and you see a house and you say, I want that house. Well, he says everything that you see was created by what you don't see. So it's foolish for you to to provoke or to go after or to try to influence what you see. No, you don't influence what you see. You influence what you can't see. But you have to have faith, which means you understand that everything that you want, he can supply it. You just have to understand the recipe. You just have to understand the formula to get it. The only thing that is holding up your spiritual life is what? Your carnal life or better yet, your ignorance. It's what you don't understand. It's just what you don't know. That's why without knowledge, you can never have faith. You can't have faith in something you don't understand. So if you don't have faith, if you say I have faith in God, then you have to understand God. If you say you have faith in the Holy Spirit, then you better have some knowledge of what the Holy Spirit does, how the Holy Spirit does it, so that you would know. You can't just say, I have faith. And a lot of times when we say we have faith, we're just saying we agree. Or we're saying that we believe that this exists, but we don't know how to work it. And so you see people naming and claiming all the time. Call those things to be not as though they were. It's a little bit more to it than that. There's a little bit more to it than that, because you can call something to be, but you won't get it unless your heart is right, unless your mind is right, unless you are in place, unless you are mature enough to receive it. The Bible says that all the answers of God are yes and amen. So God said, I never tell you no. I'm never telling you no. But some things you just can't get till you grow up. Some things you can't get because it'll hurt you. You see what I'm saying? Like I told all my kids, I'm gonna teach them how to shoot, I'm gonna teach all my kids how to shoot a gun. But they can't have a gun <laughs> until they are mature enough to what? Handle a gun. I can't just give my 14 year old son a gun cause he wants a gun. Now, it's not wrong with him having a gun, but is his mind mature enough to use a gun? Will he shoot himself in anger when he use it on somebody else? See, God is looking at all this because you want something, especially, oh, God, Holy Spirit pulled it up. So I got to especially in marriage. You say you want a spouse. But how would you treat him? He already looking at your attitude. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at how you treat people, how you think about people. When we do marriage counseling all the time, we tell individual, look, honor your spouse. And this is how I explain it. Not in words, not even in deed, in your mind. That's what 99.9% of dishonor happens at. It happens in your mind. The action was just showing what you was thinking. Amen. All right. y'all want to tell me, move on. So the type of fast that the father wants us to do. I got 15 minutes is a fast in which he can lead us. He can grow us and he can prosper us. The type of fast that he wants us to do is a type of fast in which he can lead. Say lead. He can grow us. And he can prosper us. Now, all of that is so that we can do what? Impact. It's so we can impact because the scriptures talked about our light shining. Why do our lights need to shine? Because there's darkness out there. And the worst thing, one of the things that's going on right now is that people who go to church who profess God don't have much. And they're trying to tell people to join them. When you invite somebody into God, they're looking at you first. They're looking at your life first. If you're busted and disgusted, if you always lying, if you ain't never got, how are you going to invite somebody into that life? I got this saying that I got from a pastor. Don't invite me into nothing that ain't working for you. If it ain't working for you, don't invite me into it. I had a brother a while back. He said that he was praying that I came to his church. And I said, if you could tell me how it's working for you, I'll come. Still ain't heard from him. And that was like four years ago. He invited me. I said, "You need to come here and... Well, if how is it working for you? What's your manifestation look like? What's your character look like? What's your heart look like? If it ain't working for you, don't invite me into it. Because the whole purpose of the church is we are supposed to impact. We are supposed to impact communities, impact our household, and one of the lies." that people often tell because they don't study is that as soon as we join a church or as soon as we come into a ministry, that we automatically are part of the church. And that is not so. That is not so. I'm going to give you a quick lesson on that. You go from sinners to children. Once you become a child of God, you are no longer a sinner. Now, we're talking about how heaven sees you. We ain't talking about how your family sees you. We ain't talking about how the public see you, okay? So once you get saved, you are no longer a sinner. You are a child of God. Now, as a child of God, it is your job to your next move is to obtain the kingdom. So as a child, it is your job to obtain the kingdom. I'm gonna do a whole teaching on this. Because Jesus said that it pleases the Father to give you the kingdom. But you can only get the kingdom as a child. That's why the whole purpose of this ministry is first to teach you that you have a father and you are a child. Because until you get that, you can't have the kingdom. And we got church members trying to get the kingdom. Because you go to a ministry and you are part of a ministry does not mean that you qualify for the kingdom. They said, who's the greatest in the kingdom? What did Jesus do? He pulled a child said this is the greatest in the kingdom, a child. And so a church has to be extracted from the kingdom because what a church is literally is a part of an uh, entity of the kingdom that comes out of the kingdom to spread the laws and the judicial ways of God. So in a kingdom, they have a group of people that they ask to leave the kingdom and go out into the land and tell them of the rules, the regulations, the laws, and what the king expects, every, how he expects everybody to live. So it, it's not a church until you impact. You're not a part of the church until you do what? Impact. Because you go to a ministry, because you're a part of a ministry does not mean that you are functioning as the church. It makes sense. All right, my last scripture. Doing good on time today. Verse 12. Impact, right? Impact. Say impact. So, let me go back to 11. It says, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desires in scorched places. Give strength to your bones and you will be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose water does not fail. Verse 12, those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up age old foundations. You will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. So because you did all of this, he says you're going to be able to do four things. You're going to be able to rebuild, you're going to be able to raise up, you're going to be able to repair, and you're going to be able to restore. Impact. Impact. So to rebuild the ancient ruins means that you, we are rebuilding the standard of God. Where there is no standard, we're bringing it. Where there is no light, we're bringing it. To raise up the age-old foundation means that we are going to revive generations. We are going to show generations this is how you live for the Father. We're gonna show generations that look, Jesus' ministry was not just for him, it was for all of us. Because, like I told you, we have the, the, the uh what called the generals of God, and they did marvelous things. But what one man said that was so powerful was that they did all these miraculous things. They healed people. They cast out devils. They, uh, what's, what's the woman's name? Oh, gosh. Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman. This woman was so powerful, okay? She would stay in a hotel, and everybody in the hotel would get healed because she was in the hotel. But see, look, that's one person. John G. Lake was raising people from the dead. Smith Wigglesworth raising people from the dead but you know where they failed at they failed to bring forth a generation of people that could do that and so we talk about Kenneth Hagin and all that Kenneth Hagin did but there's no generation of people who live like Kenneth (laughs) Hagin and we got to get past services just services this has to become a life what Catherine kuhlman did was great but if we don't have a generation of us that can do it it's a failure it increases our faith it shows us that it's possible but and that's the reason why we have the language of a man of god no according to scripture new testament we all supposed to be men of god we're all supposed to be women of god not just a person with the position Not just the pastor, not just the bishop, not just the apostle, the prophet, and the evangelist. They are not supposed to be the ones known as the man of God, the woman of God. It's supposed to be all of us. We're all supposed to move as a unit. Meaning, if a demon, if somebody walked in here right now, filled with a demon, anybody can do that. Anybody can do it. If somebody walked in here and needed healing, anybody should be able to do that. It should not be. Well, let's walk them to the pastor. What you walking on me for? What's wrong with you? What you got that I don't got besides a title? What do you have that I don't have? That's why Jesus was frustrated with his disciples. They brought a, a, a what epileptic boy there to uh, to, the, to the to his disciples, and they couldn't cast the demon out. <laughs> Jesus, he didn't say, "Oh, I got this." At first, he said, "How long am I have to be with y'all? How long I gotta be here? I gotta die." And go back to heaven. How long do I have to be with y'all before you get it? You're supposed to be able to do this. And then he told them what? Come on, Bible scholars. What he tell them after that? This kind only comes out by fasting and praying. Because what fasting and praying does, it takes your faith to another level. It takes your power to another level. It takes your spiritual experiences to another level. So Jesus is telling them, you should be able to do this. It don't make no sense that you can't do this. He wasn't even on the scene. They had to go get him. So what was he expecting them to do? Impact. Y'all should be able to do this. And so that's what we are building here. The reason I'm teaching you this stuff is because you can so you can do it on your own by yourself on purpose. I teach the way I teach so you can do this on purpose. Like I told you, casting out that, that, that was to me, I know it sounds crazy, but that was fun. But all of this is so that we can recover All of this is so that we can reveal his initial plan to take over this planet. This is just returning us to Eden. That's why all of these things in here is what? Rebuild. What that means? Go back and build the original way. Recover. Revive. Restore. All of that is saying what? We're not doing anything new. None of this stuff is new. This is the stuff he created us to do. When he created Adam... And Eve, and he put him in his image according to his likeness, what did he say? I give y'all dominion over this planet. Adam lost that, Jesus came to return it.